This is Martin Luther's sermon on Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17, the second sermon for Epiphany on the Baptism of Jesus. You're listening to the Luther Sermon Podcast, and this is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. For more information and for more Luther sermons, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. This sermon from Luther is translated from the German to English for the House Postal series published by Schulze Publisher in Columbus, Ohio in 1884 and is in the public domain. We begin then with the text, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer to be so now, for thus it is it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven came, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Luther's Sermon We have already learned, my hearers, how the festival of the Epiphany derived its name from the manifestation of Christ, not only by the star, but also by his baptism in the Jordan. And since this later manifestation is by far the most important and comforting, it would not be amiss if we would call this day the festival of the baptism of Christ and of his manifestation in the Jordan when he was 30 years of age. The evangelist relates this occurrence with much care. We are told that Christ, who thus far had lived in retirement, not yet having entered upon his office, departed from Galilee, coming to the Jordan unto John to be baptized, as did the sinners who confessed their sins and desired forgiveness. At this John was greatly astonished, deeming himself unworthy to baptize Christ. But Jesus said, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. That is, if poor sinners are to be made righteous and to be saved... Thou must baptize me. I became a sinner in behalf of all sinners and must therefore do what God demands of them so that they may be made righteous through me. The Son of God who had no sin was baptized and did what he was not obliged to do for our consolation and as an example for us. We, indeed, poor, miserable, and corrupt as we are, not only neglect to do what we ought to do but are even guilty of open rebellion against God and to speak of any work of supererogation on our part is sheer nonsense. Let us then bear in mind this fact that Christ, the Son of God, who instituted holy baptism, was himself baptized, and enjoins that the ordinance of baptism be retained in the church, and that all who desire to be saved shall be baptized. Surely they do not appreciate that the occurrence in our text, but despise baptism or speak of it in an unbecoming manner must be accursed people whom the devil has polluted and blinded. Why should you hesitate to have yourself or your children baptized if even the Son of God was baptized? Why should you be so proud, yea, so blind and foolish as to despise this holy and saving ordinance? Even if baptism were useless and would benefit us nothing, Ought we not to be ready, nevertheless, to be baptized from mere reverence for the Son of God, who also was baptized? Beside this we learn, from the occurrence before us, what the benefits of baptism are. We see how God in heaven manifests His mercy at the baptism of His Son. The heavens, firmly closed before, now open, as the evangelist relates, and an aperture is formed through which we can look and and see how 
Henceforth, there is no barrier between God and us. He, God the Father himself, is present and says, This is my beloved Son, etc. Tell me, is this not a most glorious revelation and a sure sign that God is pleased with baptism, which his beloved Son sanctified with his own body, and that he is present in it? If we wish to keep a festival of the manifestation of Christ, why should it not be this manifestation in which God reveals himself so potently as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Yea, God the Holy Ghost is also present, and that too in a pleasing shape as an an innocent little dove, which is the most gentle of all birds without malice and bitterness. This is a token that God will not be angry with us, but will rather assist us through Christ to become pious and happy. Here then we have a twofold manifestation. First, God the Father, omnipotent and eternal. Secondly, of the Holy Spirit. These manifestations occur at the baptism of Christ in the Jordan, who was baptized for us, not only to give us an example, but also to exhibit the mercy of God, so that we should have faith in this baptism and use it, knowing that God is merciful unto us if we follow this example and are baptized as Christ has ordained. The Father, however, does not manifest himself merely by opening the heavens, but he is also heard speaking from heaven with a voice which, ere this, no one ever heard, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Truly, this is a different sound from that heard on Mount Sinai, where God also spoke from heaven, but in such a manner that the earth trembled, and the mountains quaked, and all the people were filled with the fear of death. It is no such awful voice of God which we hear now. He speaks full of love and grace and mercy. It says, as it were, Turn hither your eyes, ye sons of men, and see what takes place. You observe that John now baptizes a man in the water of the Jordan, just as he baptizes other persons. If you wish to know what manner of man this is, listen to me. He is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. You need not be afraid of him. He stands there naked like other men, without sword or any temporal power. Nor need you be afraid of me. For I do not now come with thunder, with lightning, nor with the sound of trumpets as I came on Mount Sinai, but with a friendly token and with an emblem of grace. All this is done in the most affectionate manner. The Son of God, innocent and holy without sin, stands in the Jordan and is baptized. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, comes upon him in the presence of John. And God the Father speaks with us very affectionately, telling us that he does not send us to us an apostle, nor a prophet, nor an angel, but his only Son, in whom he is well pleased. By this we are directed to have all confidence in the Son, for God himself condescends to announce to us all at the time of his baptism that he is his well-beloved Son, as though he should say, If you desire to have a gracious father, your wish can now be realized. Only cling to my son whom I love, and I will love you also for his sake if you hear his voice. Hear him, therefore, and do his bidding. As to his person, he has no need of baptism, just as little as of circumcision. He is without sin. The baptism of John I indeed ordained on account of sinners, so that all who would confess their sins and repent of them and desire to be freed from them might come to this baptism in the sure faith that I would be merciful unto them. Why then is my son to be baptized who is no sinner? Not for his own sake, but for your sake who are sinners. He took upon himself your sins, and of these he desires to be freed, so that you might be saved and your sins no longer stand on record against you. The evangelist relates all this very beautifully when he says, 
Christ answered John, who opposed him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. That is, the righteousness of the whole world depends upon this baptism. Since I have taken upon me and bear the sins of the world, I must, in order to redeem the world, do what God demands of sinners, namely, to be baptized of thee. Do not, therefore, prevent this labor of love, but as I willingly present myself for baptism in behalf of a sinful world, so do thou cheerfully assist and baptize me, that the wrath of God may be appeased and sin subdued. With this thy Father everlasting is pleased. He speaks with us from heaven, directing us to his Son in these words, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This he said for our consolation, that we might appropriate this baptism and fully believe that the wrath of God is now appeased, that our sin is removed through the baptism of Christ, and that God will henceforth be merciful unto us for the sake of his Son. This voice from heaven ought to be listened to with the most profound attention. And this glorious manifestation in which God opened the heavens and sent down his Holy Spirit in the form of a dove ought to be treasured up in our hearts and should always be present before our eyes. Yea, we ought to hear that gladsome voice. Here you have him, my son, my heart, my richest treasure, my all, even myself. And the son? What of him? He appears like a poor needy sinner and comes to be baptized of John in the Jordan. Thus we see God manifesting himself most graciously and affectionately in a threefold manner, in correspondence with the three persons of the Godhead, and this for the purpose of enabling everyone to understand how God would no longer chide nor be angry with those who would accept Christ as the Lord relying upon him and upon his word and work. God here declares that he will be well pleased with all that the Son desires says, and does. Oh, how happy we would be if we listened to the voice of Christ and would rely upon it with our whole heart. Accursed and miserable people are they who heed not this voice, but go on as though it had not spoken. The wretched minions of the Pope even blaspheme and rebel against this voice when they assert that the Father is well pleased not only with Christ, but also with the monks, the priests, the mass, with pilgrimages and the like. Surely, whoever thinks upon this as he should would much prefer death to living with such blasphemous and miserable people who do not honor nor prize the mercy and kindness of God any more than these papists do. Therefore, beloved children, heed this voice while you hear it. But a few years ago, we knew nothing of it. The heavens were closed, and we were compelled by the devil to hear the monks preach of purgatory, of apparitions, and other lies. Now, thanks be to God, the pure doctrine is again proclaimed, and we need but to hear it and to heed it. The world will not do this, but we ought, upon this day, to give heartfelt thanks to God for his great kindness, for the manifestation of his heart and treasure, of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, of his Son in baptism in the Jordan, and of himself in a voice so glorious and so pleasing. He who refuses to accept with his whole heart the Son who stands in the Jordan to be baptized like a sinner and upon whom the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove is indeed worthy of damnation, for he refuses to hear the voice of the Father which resounds in his immediate presence. No doubt a host of holy angels was also there, for where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit manifest themselves, there the heavenly multitude must also be. 
Let us therefore learn to appreciate highly this festival. The manifestation of Christ to the wise men from the east by means of a star is indeed wonderful, but this manifestation is far more important, for these are the true kings, three in number, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, manifesting themselves together at the baptism of Christ. If he had so willed it, this revelation might have occurred in the wilderness or in the temple at Jerusalem, but it was to be at his baptism for our instruction that we should ever prize baptism, not otherwise than as the real and new created saints. The blasphemous Anabaptist at the present day teach that baptism is mere water. May the devil take such calumnations. For a dog or a swine or a cow, it would be well enough to judge thus, since these have but the taste of water. A Christian, however, will not judge according to the senses, but according to the word. Here is not mere water, but also the word and power of God, as we see at the baptism of Christ, where God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present. It is not water alone, but that water in which the Son of God washes, over which the Holy Spirit hovers, and of which God the Father speaks. Baptism is not mere water, but water full of grace and a washing of regeneration, ordained and sanctified of God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Accordingly, Christ ordained that baptism should be administered in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. God the Son with his body, God the Holy Ghost with his presence, God the Father with his word, sanctify baptism, and are really present whenever a child is baptized among us. Since, therefore, the entire Godhead is connected with it, baptism is not mere water and no invention of men. For although man baptizes, he does not do it in his name, but in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, who are there in the act. Otherwise, baptism would be of no avail. Who dares to despise this ordinance with which the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost unite? Who would venture to call such water mere water? Do we not plainly see what spices God has thrown into the water? If we mix sugar with water, it is no longer mere water, but becomes a claret or something similar. Why then should we endeavor to separate the word from the water and say it is mere water, as if neither the word of God nor he himself were united with it? Such a supposition is false. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are in and with the baptismal water, as Christ at the Jordan was in the water, the Holy Ghost over it, and God the Father revealing himself in the voice from heaven. Baptism is therefore a peculiar water, which taketh away death and every evil, helping unto us into heaven and to a life everlasting. It is a precious sweet water, full of aroma, a healing power, for God is united with it. God is a God of life, and therefore this water which he has blessed must be the true aqua vitae, which conquers death and hell and brings eternal life. It behooves us indeed to learn the importance of baptism and to value it highly. We do not baptize in the name of an angel or of a human being, but in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or as it is expressed in the Acts of the Apostles, in the name of Jesus, which is the same. Whoever confesses Jesus Christ must also confess God the Father and the Holy Ghost, for Christ distinctly says that he proceedeth from the Father and that he will send the Holy Spirit. If we then in truth confess Christ, we will also believe that the Son exists not alone, but in communion with the Father and the Holy Ghost, though the Father and the Holy Spirit may not be mentioned by name. We must therefore be exceedingly careful not to separate in holy baptism the word from the water wherewith we baptize, but we must confess and believe that God so instituted this ordinance that for Christ's sake we are thereby, through the Holy Ghost, cleansed from our sins and rescued from eternal death.
or why else should the Holy Trinity be present with it? If we then firmly believe that our little children are born in sin, let us be quick to baptize them, that God may accomplish his work in them, according to his declaration that we must be born again of water and the Spirit, and that he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. If we know our infants to be under the dominion of death, let us not be slow to wash them, according to the command of Christ, in this bath of baptism, that death may be overcome. And thou, my hearer, who art baptized, Remember well that thy baptism is unto thee a seal and guarantee of the forgiveness of thy sins and of the promise of eternal life through Christ. Yea, baptism has a divine power to destroy death and to purify from sin, wherefore we are baptized with such hope into the death of Christ. Baptism, with its blessings and promises, remains efficacious. Though we may have fallen into sin and guilt if we return from our error and do not continue in our wickedness. It will never do to seek forgiveness of sins and yet persistently to abide in them. We must repent and in true faith say, My Lord God has assured me of all mercy when I was baptized in the baptism of his Son, and now I will turn back to this grace of God, being convinced that my sins are removed, not indeed for my own sake or that of any other creature, but solely for Christ's sake, who has instituted and ordained baptism, and who is himself baptized as though he had been a sinner. Tell me, my hearers, Is not this manifestation far more glorious than that of the star in the east? The latter was enjoyed only by a few heathens, whilst of the former all Christians are partakers. Therefore this festival ought to be known as the baptism of Christ. Then we would have an appropriate occasion to preach of the sacrament of holy baptism against all sectarians and against the devil, who allows us right willingly the enjoyment of all things except of the treasures which have real value for us, of which he is ever busy to deprive us as he successfully did in the church of the Pope, in which nothing, or but very little, of this manifestation in the Jordan was ever preached. Learned well, then, and heed with care, that upon this day God manifested himself with a glorious declaration concerning his Son, which assures us that whatever he says or does in regard to us, or we in regard to him, shall be pleasing unto the Father. Whoever is obedient unto the Son and keeps his word will be a beloved child of God and will have the Holy Spirit who also manifested himself at this baptism in so beautiful, cheering, and pleasing a manner. The voice of the Father also is heard, speaking in a most winsome way, Here I give unto you not an angel, nor a prophet, nor an apostle, but my own Son and myself. Could God have manifested himself in any other way more gloriously? And how could we serve him better and please him more than by accepting his Son, our Savior, whom we ought to hear and obey? They who will not listen to Christ unto salvation fully deserve to follow the apostles of the devil unto eternal damnation. May God bestow upon us the grace of faith in Christ and retain us in the same unto life everlasting. Amen. This has been Martin Luther's second Epiphany Sermon on Matthew chapter 3, The Baptism of Jesus. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and this is the Martin Luther Sermon Podcast. For more information and for more Luther sermons, please visit www.hope-aurora.org.